Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or to give online, please visit movementcolumbus.com. Well, you got a chance to uh, see some members of my family, and so I wanted to uh, share with you a story. A couple weeks ago, uh, we decided that we wanted to go on a, on a family bike ride, and uh, so we, we piled all the bikes onto our bike rack, put the bike rack on the minivan, drove down to Rails to Trails here in, in Hilliard, and got the bikes off, and we took a couple of friends uh, here for movement that were going to meet us. Uh, one of them was wearing rollerblades. This is a side issue, but I, I didn't know anyone still ro- wore rollerblades, so I was shocked by that. But anyway, if you have rollerblades, we can still be friends. But anyway, most of us were going on a bike ride. We were, we were out riding our bikes, and uh, if you've never been on a bike ride uh, with a seven-year-old a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and a six-month-old, it is different, all right? And so uh, we, we went on this bike ride. It started off uh, pretty bad. Uh, our kids were kind of running around being crazy, and so uh, we took our friend Jake on this bike ride, and, and uh, I don't know what happened, but the kids took off one way on the bike trail, and he didn't know that, so I took off after them, and he started the other way on the bike trail. So we, we got like a half mile down the trail, and we were, were kind of like, hey, has anybody seen Jake anywhere? And no, no one had seen Jake, and so we started to have that conversation. You don't, you don't think he went the other way? No oh no, he's an adult. He wouldn't do that. We, we said we were going this way. Sure enough, he had started off the other way. So he came back and found us and we got him and we were on the bike ride. Uh, and, and, um, like I said, if you've never been on a bike ride with kids, uh, it takes about 30 seconds till one of them's like, I have to go to the bathroom. And you're like, we're on a bike trail. I don't know what, you know, go right there, I guess. And uh, so they're, they're like crying. They're wrecking into each other. They're pushing each other and all this fun stuff. And uh, there, was a, there was a moment that, that Jake uh, looked at me and he's like, man, I'm so glad I came on this bike ride, right? And uh, I knew what he meant. I knew what he meant. He'd already started off wrong. Now the kids were crying. And I think one of them might have peed on him or something. So it was just... It wasn't going well, and uh, there, you know, we, we kept saying things like that. Jake and I are kind of kind of have that relationship, and so he's like, "I'm so glad I came and did this." And I was like, "Yeah, this is a lot of fun, huh?" And we kept we kept saying things like that. You probably know uh, exactly what I'm talking about because you understand sarcasm, but that's that's where I'm getting. So my seven year old Malachi, we got to the end of the bike ride, and uh, Jake said, "Hey, this was this is really fun. I'm glad we did this." And he said, "I know what you're doing." Malachi said this. He says, "I know what you're doing. You're saying." the opposite of what you really mean, you know, and it was that moment where you're like, oh, we can't, can't be sarcastic around the house anymore, he's catching on here, and so I said, yeah, you, you caught me, buddy, we're, we're being sarcastic, and then I tried to explain sarcasm, which I felt like I was teaching a child, like, something awful, you know, like, giving him a loaded gun, I'm like, maybe I should just pretend sarcasm doesn't exist, and so I said, yeah, buddy, we're being sarcastic, sometimes, uh, you know, if, if you want to be funny, you say, kind of like the, the opposite of what you really mean. And he's like, okay, okay, yeah. And so Jake, Jake said, hey guys, thanks for, thanks for inviting me today. And Malachi said, you don't mean that. And uh, he's like, no, really, this was, this was fun. I'm glad I got to hang out with your family. He's like, you don't mean that. And just like walks off and gets in the van. Uh, and so now he thinks that every adult is just not genuine at all in anything they say. Uh, and so on the way home, I could see him like processing in the back of the van and we're, we're coming home. We, we take a right turn and he goes, Hey dad, nice left turn. And I was like, all right, not really. You know, like he, I had just said the opposite thing and he thought he knew what I meant. He didn't really get it. And so uh, I, was, I just wanted to tell you that story today. Sometimes in life we think, uh, we think we get something and, and we don't, we don't really get it. We think we have a grasp of something and we don't, we don't quite understand it. And just like my son is learning sarcasm against my best wishes. Uh, some of us are, are learning what it looks like to follow Christ, what it looks like to give him our lives. And so I want us to, to look at a, a passage of scripture today, a passage where Jesus is talking to the disciples. And these are the guys
guys that followed him. These are the guys that traveled with him. These are the guys that, that understood that he was the, the savior of the world, that he had given his life for them and that they wanted to return and, and give him their lives. They wanted to live their lives for him. And so they were learning, what does it look like to follow this guy, to, to do what he says, to pattern our lives after him and, and to, to serve him? And uh, they didn't always get it right. They didn't always completely understand it. Sometimes they thought they understood it. They thought they had a grasp of that. And they didn't really know what it meant to follow Jesus and to serve Jesus. And so I want to invite you to turn to Mark chapter 10 today if you've got a Bible. If you don't, there's probably one under your chair, behind you, in front of you somewhere. There's a Bible there. And you can, uh, you can check that out. Mark chapter 10. Mark is the second book in the New Testament. There's a table of contents in the front. You can feel free to, to look that up. Mark chapter 10. If you don't have a copy of God's word, if you don't own a Bible, we would love for you to take that Bible that you're holding home today. And we, we believe there's, there's power in the Bible. We know that God has given us uh, his word to read and, and to, uh, to grow in our relationship with him and our knowledge of him. So feel free to take that Bible home with you today uh, if you need one. But we want to read Mark chapter 10. Verses uh, 35, we'll start. Verse 35, it says this, as Jesus is talking about serving others, he's talking uh, to some of his disciples, and it says this. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. That's everyone's famous sentence, right? Don't you love when your friends say that? Hey, you want to do me a favor? You're like, no, I've helped you move three times this year. Please don't call me again, right? But anyway, these guys are saying, do you want to do us a favor? Verse 36 says this, what is your request, he asked. 37, they replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, talking about forever in in heaven and eternity, they're saying, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and one on your left. So this is just a very low-key, run-of-the-mill, everyday request, right? They're saying, hey, we understand that, that, that you're the, the son of God. We understand that you're going to reign forever in heaven and eternity. And we just simply want to sit on your right and left in these seats of honor. We want to be super important. We want people to look up and see us when they look at your throne. And so can you, can you do that for us? No big deal, right? It's just like asking someone to move. It's a, it's a simple thing. These guys were, were often confused at, at who Jesus was and, and, and why he had come. He was, he was the, the king of kings and the lord of lords. And they had grown up uh, in the, the nation of Israel. They had grown up in, in this area and they were always looking for him to be an earthly king. And so when they were told Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords, they would always think about, about this position and, and a throne and, and think about power. And they would always think, you know what, we're kind of on the ground level of this. Let's, let's see how we can be a part of this. And so these guys are asking, hey, can we be important? Can we be your right and left hand? Can, can we sit there with you and, and be in, in these positions of importance? This is similar to if, you had, uh, if you'd started working at Facebook, maybe when it was just three guys in a garage, right? And, and one of you would say, hey, when this blows up, I want to be the CFO or I want to be the, the COO. I want to I have like 40% of the stock. When this thing takes off, I'm going to be important. You can, you'll be the big guy, but we'll be your right hand and your left hand. We'll be right here with you. Everyone will know who we are. We'll get the recognition we deserve. We'll be important. We'll be noticed. That's basically what they're asking of Jesus. They're like, we, we understand who you are. We get this Jesus thing. Thing, and we're excited about it. We're on the ground level. As this grows and gets more important, we're hoping that our role will kind of increase and, and be a bigger deal. There's another account of this story in Matthew, though, and it's, it's funny. It tells us that these guys brought their mom along to ask this question. 
that's probably when you know you don't want someone to be your right and left hand, right? When they're afraid to talk to you and they bring their mom. Imagine taking your mom to work and like, hey, uh, Mark was wondering if he could have vacation next summer. We've got a family activity and the boss would probably be like, is, is this a joke? Are you, really, this is happening? Okay, no, no, you cannot have vacation. Please don't bring your mom to work again. But that's, that's who these guys are. They brought their mom and said, hey, can my sons be on your right and your left? And we, we love you, Jesus. We want to we wanna be important when you're important, as you're important. And they're, they're kind of missing the point, asking the wrong question. Jesus says this in verse 38. Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Jesus is alluding to the fact that he has come to earth to give his life. We were created in the image of God to know God, to be in relationship with God. And because we have sin and and junk and things in our lives, we've separated ourselves from God. Jesus came to fill in that gap. He came to give his life, to pay the price for our sin, to close the gap between us and God, to build a bridge to God so that we could know him and have a relationship with him. And so he knew that he came to give his life on our behalf. He came to be crucified on a cross, to suffer and to bleed and to die. And so he's asking these guys, all right, you want to be my right hand and my left hand? You want to be the the CFO and the COO? This is what this means. It doesn't just mean wearing a shirt and having a cubicle till someday you get a corner office. It means if you're going to follow me, it means being a part of my suffering, being a part of the, the crazy things that are about to happen to me and the things that I'm about to go through. He asks them that, probably already knowing the answer because he knew their character in their lives. And of course, they give a great answer. Verse 39, he says, are you able to be a part of this suffering? And they say, oh yes. Oh yes, they replied, we're able. Not sure if, if that's true or not. Jesus says this, it says, verse 39, then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. And so in some ways, God, Jesus is kind of, kind of tempering back their expectations. He's saying, yes, I know that you love me and you'll follow me and you'll be a part of this. But, but God's a sovereign God and that's all of eternity. And I'm not going to tell you right now if you can be at my right or my left hand. And this is where it gets really funny because these are some of the disciples that have been following Jesus. But all of the disciples are there. And so they've overheard this conversation. They've overheard this talking. You know how it is when you're at work and you act like you're just talking to one person. But everyone in your whole department is listening, right? Or they're in the break room and they're, they're kind of hearing your conversation and they'll say something like, so I heard you say you have free Buckeye tickets and just kind of jump right in, right? That's, that's what these guys are doing. And so here's, here's where everybody starts getting involved in this conversation. Verse 41 says this, when the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. Now, they, you would hope that, that they were indignant because they said, how dare you ask Jesus if you can be his right and left hand? That's, that's not of importance right now. We should be trying to love him and, and serve him. That's, that's not what happened here. These guys were, were kind of immature and didn't get this. They were mad that they didn't think of it first. They were mad that they didn't think, oh, I, I should ask Jesus to be his right and left hand. I want to be important. I want people to notice me. I'm on the ground level of this thing. I'm putting in work. I'm traveling and walking around. I want to be recognized with Jesus. I want a position where people are going to notice me. And so they get indignant, it says, because they wish they would have thought of that. Verse 42. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. We live in a, in a world where sometimes leaders like the power 
of being a leader. Sometimes they like the position of, of being over people. Some of you have probably had a boss that, that went way out of his way to let you know that he was your boss and that he was awesome and that he made more money than you. Some of you have probably had a coach or, or a coworker that in some way had to say, hey, just so you know, I've got 18 months seniority and I'm a little more important than you are in this company. Right? There, there are people that, that love to do that in this world, and it was no different back then. Different time, they rode camels, all that fun stuff, but people still like to brag. People, people still like to flaunt their power. Religious people in the church that they were part of would flaunt their power. Political people would flaunt their power. And so he's saying that's the nature of the world that we live in. This planet Earth, no matter what company or king or whatever you're under, people like to brag. People like to, to flaunt what they've got. He's saying that's the current climate of earth, but verse 43 says this. But among you, he's talking to his disciples, talking to Christ followers, talking to us as Christians and as the church. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. Maybe you've heard that said in some way that the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Jesus is saying that when you understand what it means to follow me, when you understand what it means to be a part of my kingdom, which is not an earthly kingdom, when you understand what it means to be a part of this thing of being a Christ follower, of representing me with your life, you won't be worried about status and you won't be worried about a raise and you won't be worried about bragging and you won't be worried about having an important seat on the right or the left and and being honored. What you'll be worried about is serving other people. What you'll be worried about is, is being so focused on other people that you'll lower your position, you'll worry about them and you'll go out of your way to take care of them. Yes, the world is always going to want to try and have a one-up, and they're, they're always going to look for a raise and look out for themselves, but you'll be looking out for others. So he's saying, among people who understand what it means to follow Christ, among Christians, among the church, among Christ followers, this must be different. You'll be able to look at the world and see them trying to, to celebrate themselves and raise their own profile, and yet Christ followers should have a different mission. Verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man talking about himself, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to this world and relinquished all of, all of what he had in, in heaven. He gave that up momentarily in the form of his body. He was still the king of kings and lord of lords, but he came to this world and took on the, the body of a human so that he could give his life, so that he could sacrifice his life for us so that when he was crucified, he would take on the punishment for our sins and he would build a bridge so that we could know God the Father, so that we could be found in him, so that we could be found in his love, so that we could have relationship with him. He gave his life as a ransom. Sometimes when someone is kidnapped, the kidnappers say they need a million dollars or five million dollars or they want one of their friends released out of jail. For Jesus to accomplish what this ransom required, he had to give his life so that our slate would be wiped clean, so that our sins would be taken away and forgotten, so that when we put our faith and our hope and our trust in him, that ransom is paid. That's what Jesus did when he gave his life. And he's saying, if you understand that I gave my life for you, if you understand that I paid that ransom, if you want to honor that, you want to understand that, you can give your life to me, you can follow me the same way that I I gave my life for you. And what it means to follow me is that your life should look different. 
Yeah, you might have a title. Yeah, you might have a position. You might make a lot of money. There might be people under you. But if you understand what it means to lead people, to love people, just like Jesus did, it's going to mean that you serve those people, that you take care of those people, that you elevate those people. You think of them as, as better than yourself. So some points that I want us to know as a church is we've been talking about this concept of ownership. We've been talking about what it means to own our faith and to own the church that God has given us and the church that we get to be a part of. Today we're talking about owning our gifts and the ways that we serve. I want you to know this, that following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. Following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. You can probably tell that, right? Because Jesus is saying, hey, this is how everyone else acts. I need you to act the opposite. Everyone else is thinking, I've got to climb the ladder. I've got, to, I've got to step on these people to get up to this certain point where I'm celebrated and I'm important. And Jesus is saying, yeah, you might have different responsibilities, but I need you to be, to be serving people and loving the people that are above you and beneath you and everywhere. I need you to take care of others and be focused on others. Context is so important. And if you look at the, the stories around this story in this chapter of the Bible, there are a lot of things that are countercultural. Jesus is talking about a commitment to marriage, a commitment that we don't often see as we look around the world. He's talking about the way that we should view children, how we should be excited about children and see faith in them that excites us about following God. A lot of the world looks down on children and sees them as a distraction and as something that's, that's just wasting time and energy and money. And there's even a point in this passage where Jesus predicts his own death and talks about what's going to happen. So following Jesus is not for the faint of heart because your actions are going to have to look different. The things that you're asked to do are going to look different. And there's even going to be a time when, when that may begin to affect you. You may, you may see suffering in some way. And so this, this thing of giving your life to Jesus and following Jesus is a serious thing. Following Jesus is not for the faint of heart kind of already alluded to this, but the other point I want to make, the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. The kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. We, we think of a traditional pyramid, right, where we start out on the bottom and there's a bunch of people, and if we can find a way to distinguish ourselves or, or separate ourselves or differentiate ourselves, we get to climb up to the next level and we get a promotion. And then if we can outlast those people or stay at work longer than they do on Fridays and someone thinks we're awesome and we get a, a break, eventually we'll get put in a, a, a position of management, right? And then, and then maybe somehow we can make that executive level and there'll be so many people working for us, we won't really have to do anything. We'll just have to tell other people what to do so they can tell other people what to do and tell other people what to do. And yet Jesus is saying that that pyramid is flipped upside down. And so when you're following me, the people that are, that are under you, the people, the people that work for you are all people that you're serving. They're, you're the, the bottom of that pyramid. You're the one point. And you have weight and you have pressure on top of you and you may want to lash out and act like you own those people, but you get to serve those people and take care of those people and love those people. Following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. And the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. This is our, our big idea for the day. It comes out of this passage, and it's, it's simply this. What does it look like to own our gifts and to serve? If you want to lead like Jesus, you've got to serve others. No one could read this story and read this passage and think like, well, I think maybe what Jesus is saying is that I should be nice to people. No, he's, he's saying that you've got to go beyond being nice. He's saying that if you want to lead and you want to love people, if you understand what his kingdom works like, if you understand what it looks like, you're going to serve others. You're going to take care of them. You're going to think of them as, as better than yourself. And you're going to go out of your way to serve people. 
Following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. The kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. If you want to lead like Jesus, you've got to serve others. Some, some points I want to let you know. Those are, those are the three big ones, but here's some, here's some little ones. I think that things that race in our minds sometimes that we want to know. Like, are you saying I should serve? I should serve. He's probably getting ready to ask something. That's how churches work, and, and they always want me to do stuff. Well, here's what I want you to know. You've been gifted to serve. You've been, you've been gifted to serve. Some of us have never been told that. Some of us don't know that. Some of us don't believe that. You have been gifted to serve. There are people in this room that are creative. There are people in this room that are engineers. There are people in this room that can edit video. There are people in this room that love kids. There are people in this room that have gifts. And God specifically gave you those gifts so that you could serve others and serve him. You've been gifted to serve. I feel like no one's paying attention to me anymore. <laughs> Got to be honest. I don't know if you, if you know this or not. But when I say that, that you've been gifted to serve, God has given you gifts. And sometimes we think, well, I, I'm not a professional opera singer, so I can't be on stage. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not a public speaker. That makes me nervous. And I, I hate kids or I don't have kids. There's nothing I can do in the church. Sometimes the things that we've been gifted at are, are very, very practical. There are people who set up the chairs that you're sitting in every week. There are people who set up the things that you see in this room every week, and sometimes they tear them down while someone's talking, right? But we wanted to prove a point today. You've been, you've been gifted to serve. You've been asked to serve. Jesus has said, if you're going to be a, a part of, of my kingdom, if you're going to follow me, this is what this looks like. So you've been gifted to serve. You've been asked to serve. And I'm just going to be blunt and say this. You have a venue to serve in. Scripture tells us that God has given you specific gifts, and when they're used, they build up the body of Christ. They build up the church, and I don't just mean build up to make you feel warm and fuzzy inside. It says that people will see the character of God, and they will learn more about God and and grow in their knowledge and their faith of Jesus because of what they see you doing. When people see you serving and using your gift, it will teach them about God. It will mature them in their faith. And so we've been saying we want to be a church of owners, We want to be a a church where people own their faith and own their gifts. Ownership looks like serving. Ownership is serving. And so I ask these guys to come today and and be a distraction to to make a point. There are opportunities and venues for you to serve in the local church and for you to serve in your life. And if if you consider yourself an owner, a regular attender of Movement Church, we would love to have you serve. And I don't, I don't feel like that's something that I have to talk you into because I think scripture says this is what following Jesus looks like. And I think that scripture says this is a blessing to you. You'll see the gifts of others and you'll, you'll grow in your relationship with God and others will get to grow in theirs because they'll see you serving. This is, this is a next step for us as a church that people will be owners. You guys getting worried about this one? I am a little bit, yeah, yeah. They said they were going to do that. And I was like, well, maybe you don't have to do the latter thing, but it is kind of awesome. It lets you know how hard people work every week to make this possible. You didn't know that, that when you come in and drop your kids off and get to forget about them for an hour, that there are people back there whose job and gifting is to teach your kids about Jesus. You didn't know that when you get to come in here and sing and, and just forget about your problems and focus on God's word for a week, that there are people who have been here since 6.37 a.m. setting this up and making this happen because they care about you. That's the opportunity and that's the invitation I want to give to us today, that we can serve, we can give our time and our our talents so that others can know God. And so there's a piece of paper under your seat. 
There's a piece of paper under your seat that lists some opportunities and some ways and some places that, that you can serve in Movement Church. Some of you are like, yep, I already served. That's awesome. But I think some of you are probably in a spot where you're saying, you know what, I, I, I understand this, but for some reason or another, I, I haven't been able to do this yet. Maybe, maybe it's because you're new. Maybe you just haven't found where you fit yet. Maybe, maybe you needed to hear today that, that your gifts matter and that they count and that Jesus gave those to you on purpose. Maybe you grew up in a family where people always told you when, you when you would sing out loud that it was annoying. Or maybe you were told because you're an artist that you shouldn't draw because you were going to have to get a real job someday. Sometimes our, our gifts get put down and we learn to not appreciate them, but your gifts matter and your gifts can be given back to God. And the things that you see on that sheet are just some recommendations, some, some places that we need help. We want people to be able to come into Movement Church each week to this one-hour worship experience and see God in us. We want to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. The word movement means intentional and contagious. And so we need the love of Jesus to be represented in the way that we look people in the eye and the way that we talk to them and the way that we shake their hand and the way that we welcome them and the way that we teach them. And so if I can draw your attention to one thing on there, you'll see, you'll see a, a heading called First Impressions. We are, in, we are in great need of people who can be on our welcome team, people who can shake hands, people who can seat people as seats are starting to get more filled. We need people who can be a part of that team. And so you can sign up, you can check off that, hey, I'd love to know more information about this. I'd love to be a part of this. We're going to have a time of giving in a moment, and you can, you can drop that in there. But if, if I can point you in one direction, if, if, if you think you can make yourself smile, or, or you, you like talking to people, or you're just really passionate about standing next to the coffee because you'll get to drink it first, whatever, whatever that thing may be, I would love for you to sign up and, and take serving very serious. I would love for you to realize that for us to, become, to be able to come in here on, on Sunday mornings and be the church, there are a lot of things that take place during the week and other times so that this can happen. So I want to invite you to take a moment, if you're interested in one of those things, check something off, a place where you want to serve, and uh, don't forget to, uh, to check out that, that First Impressions one. That's a place where there's a, there's a great need right now. But if you want to lead like Jesus, you've got to serve others. And if you want to own your faith and own the church where you attend, we need to have a culture where people are serving like this and being selfless weekly. That's a culture that we want to see passed down and a culture that we want to see part of Movement Church for, for years to come. So please consider, if you understand what it looks like to follow Jesus, if you understand what it looks like to be a part of his upside-down kingdom, you'll seriously consider serving others. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that you sent your son to serve us, that he set the tone and set an example. Lord, giving his life and ransoming his life Lord, I thank you for that sacrifice, and I pray that in a small way, we can sacrifice our lives in the same way. Lord, we will never match the selflessness of Jesus, but I pray that in a small way, we can serve others, we can be others-focused, we can care about others. Lord, I pray that, that we'll consider giving you our gifts as worship, we'll consider that a great response to you giving your son. Lord, I pray that we will be excited about serving. I pray that, that if there are people that have maybe used to serve, haven't served in a while, people who haven't done that because they're new, I pray that, uh, pray that they'll, they'll be motivated to do that, excited to do that because their gifts matter, because you've gifted us and you've given us a venue to invest in others. So God, help us to do that now. It's in your name I pray. Amen.